1: Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson, I.J. Salvison. Hope you had a great Christmas. Did you have a good
2: Christmas, I.J.? It was great. How was yours? It was good. Did you get all the ties and socks you wanted? I did not get either. Really? No ties or no socks? No ties
1: or socks.
2: Wow. No. So they actually really went out all on you, huh?
1: Uh, I got some dress shirts. And... Uh, i got uh like a you' you you're, you're
2: big into dress shirts a
1: direct, an electric uh blower, which was great
2: an electric a hedge trimmer
1: to like you blow your hair i mean what no like um leaf blower so I had a gas powered one and it just hasn't been working, so I got an electric one, so I'm excited for that one
2: all right, yeah, well, good for you how about yourself uh well I got socks a tie. <laughs> ah, so you got the socks yeah, yeah, and the top. Yeah, I, I got the old man's gifts. Um, What else did I get? Oh, so I bought me, well, kind of like a Merry Christmas myself, but I bought me this Michael Jordan bobblehead doll set. It is amazing. It has, like, 20 pairs of his shoes and, and like, his, his rookie warm-up on it. What are you doing? Oh, I thought you were going to... Jeez. Uh, and then I got... Uh, what else did I get? I got a Patriots blanket and a sweatshirt and uh, some sweats and uh, Wow, you yeah, got loaded down. I did, I did. I got, I got the, uh, they t- I got a bunch of gift cards too. Bunch you got, you got a pretty nice
1: Aggie shirt.
2: Yeah, I got a nice Aggie shirt from you. Thank you. I wore that on Christmas Day. Oh, good. No compliments were made. <laughs> hey, you guys like my shirt? <laughs>
1: you yeah. know what the the gift that has been used probably more than anything that was in our house was a gift to me it was like a a mini pool table and you put it on a table it's it's miniature it's only i don't know two feet three feet wide in in length i think i've heard of these and like little sticks little yeah uh you know little cue ball and everything my kids are having a blast playing with that thing we keep challenging each other so that was
2: definitely getting used in my house but but yeah, it was a good holiday. I bought my mom and dad the Amazon Cube, right? Uh, and I bought it for them because they needed, you know, something to kind of make their lives easier, and they needed Disney Plus, so I helped them out with that. And as I'm setting this up and finishing setting it up, <laughs> I was like, I need to go get me one of these. <laughs> like, these things are amazing. You're I bought them jealous. for my dad, but my gosh, these things are incredible. So, I'm actually on my way after this to uh, get me an Amazon cube. Now, you, t- you were telling me you got a pretty ingenious gift for your parents, besides
1: oh, that, man. too. So, this was a cool. A lot of work and effort into this one.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, on Thanksgiving, mom and dad mentioned that, uh, I mean, you're, you've seen the Christmas story, right? Yep. So, that. Yeah, uh, I just realized I didn't go, though. I haven't seen it this season. I've not seen that movie this what? holiday season. Two movies you can't go without seeing in I've got a Christmas track story it down. and Christmas vacation. You got
1: to see the- I haven't seen Christmas vacation in years.
2: Oh, well, now that you're like a state president or whatever it (laughs) is, you can't see it anymore. Um, We've replaced that with Elf. We always watch it. Oh, dude. See, that's trash. No. That movie's horrible. No way. Will Ferrell acting like a five-year-old just is horrible. excellent. So, anyways, the lamp. The leg lamp. the leg lamp. I bought my mom and dad one of those, and then I had a friend, uh, Brian Woolston, shout out to him, made me a crate, like a wooden crate, and it was huge. It was beautifully done, too. And uh, say fragile. Yeah. On it. Yep. It did. In it Italian? Did. Uh, no, not in Italian. <laughs> 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 so, I put. I took it to my uncle's house, who was just like right next to him. Uh, and uh, I left it there for a few days, and then the biggest pain in the butt is getting it to the front porch while my parents were still home. And getting it onto the front porch and getting it there. I so, don't imagine that's something that's easy, easy oh, to sneak man, around. Oh, man, dude. That was, yeah. And then, like, the the door, the the front of it, I didn't nail it on. And so I was going to nail it on right there. But then I was like, this is too loud. They're going to come out wondering what the heck's going on. <laughs> and they're going to see his coffin-like crate and think, what the heck? And so, anyways, they didn't notice. I don't know how. They didn't notice until, like, after we were done opening gifts. Uh, I said, hey, go take a look on the front porch. And they saw it. And my mom loved it. She thought it was great. So, kid of the year, me. Nice. I did it. Yep. I went above and beyond. And then she's going to use the crate as like a planter for a garden house or something. So, eh, okay. Glad. Better than breaking it up and using it for firewood. <laughs> I know. She just takes a sledgehammer to it. <laughs> well, we don't need this just anymore. Take a match. I, uh, if you want to text into our show today, what did you get for Christmas? 435. Uh, three three nine zero three two one. That's four three five three three nine zero three two one. Tell us what you got for Christmas. What did you like? What did you hate? We won't know who you are because it doesn't show your name, so you're anonymous, so nobody will know about it. Um, and uh, you can tell us about our topics that we'll discuss throughout the show. Utah Jazz make not only one big trade, but then they also release a player, sign somebody else unexpectedly. Uh, you will talk uh, Utah Jazz over the weekend, NBA over the weekend, especially yesterday. Uh, we've got. Uh, Mountain West Conference, uh, Hawaii comes through for the Mountain West Conference, beats BYU. Um, we've got games going on tomorrow, we've got, uh, NBA games going tonight, Aggies get ready for Eastern Oregon on Saturday, we'll get into that more tomorrow. That's not much of a game to prep for, so we're not really too worried about it, to be honest with you. Uh, so yeah, 435-339-0321, again, 435-339-0321 is how you can text into our show, and then you can also, like, so you don't, we don't know your name, so it's message for written rates, data apply to your contract. But uh, text in, tell us what your thoughts were over the weekend, how uh, how was your Christmas, and uh, let's talk some sports, Eric. Hey,
1: We, we had a message on that line. Um, we did a show on New Year's, or New Year's, Christmas Eve, and uh, we had a message come in um, after the show, and it says, you're sure tough on Jason Garrett whereas his background has ties to USU as his father was a halfback here at USU in the 1950s. Jason coaches for a narcissist owner that doesn't allow him the freedom to coach his
2: team. Here's the problem, is that Jason Garrett looks like he hasn't cared for the last two years. I mean, Mr. Clapman just doesn't look like he even wants, has any, you just don't see him fired up. Right, same complaints that people gave about Gary Anderson this year about him not showing emotion. This has been Jason Garrett for two years, and and the games that they have lost, I would say are on Jason Garrett as much as they are on the team. Look,
1: what the, they went out and got a big, great offensive line. They paid a lot of money to keep their quarterback and their running back, who are good talents. Uh, they did. They made some moves to get some wide receiver help, making some trades with the Raiders. I mean, the defense really isn't that bad, but I mean, so the the talent's there. Talent's there to win some games and win a lot of games and they're just not winning a lot of games. So and that's if you have the, the talent, you're not winning games, then it's either coaching or attitude. And if you can't fix the attitude, then
2: again, that's back to coaching. Well, I feel like some of it's also on Kellen Moore, right? The former Boise kid who's now there at Dallas. Their offense is just in a rut. I mean, to lose the way they did, to the Philadelphia Eagles being that inconsistent and that incoherent offensively is just is horrible. And the fact that a team from the NFC East is going to be in the playoffs is a, is a travesty to me. Yeah, it's horrible division. Horrible. And, and so, no, we haven't been hard on, on, on Jason Garrett. I don't care if he's dad or uncle or cousin or whoever it was. Played yeah, so. For the USU Aggies. And there's a
1: few out there that if they have a connection to Utah State, no matter what it is that they do, you can't criticize them. No matter what happens, uh, no matter how bad it is, you you shame on you for criticizing them. Amen. Yep. And that, honestly, that's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I, I don't care. I don't care. We're, yeah, we're, I agree. I don't care. I'm not trying to be I wasn't here in nineteen fifty. This isn't anything 1950s about his cities doesn't have any effect on This has on nothing me. to do
1: with his dad or what his Utah State connection.
2: Yeah, we're not saying that.
1: <laughs> it's like, oh, well, oh, he's got a Utah State connection. Well,
2: you know he's just having a hard time. Now, I will tell you this to the final point that he made about the uh, the owner, he is a problem. That is absolutely why is true. That, like, w- why is the why owner- would anybody want to be a coach there? Why is the owner chasing down the media all the time every week? Hey, make sure you come talk to me. I want to make comments on the game. You, yeah. can, I mean, could you imagine Gail, be hard. Gail Miller, Good Dennis Lindsay, them. or Justin Zanuck running down the owner or the media? Hey, I, I'd like to say something, okay? i like to talk about the game because I know what's going on and I know all the insides and I want to I make my comments. That's not your job. Sit in the suite, watch the game, cheer on the team, make big decisions, make tough decisions, shut your mouth. If the media comes to you about a trade or anything like that, you're available to comment. But to talk about the game itself week in and week out is the dumbest thing ever.
1: Yeah, It's going to be one of the most challenging head coaching jobs in the NFL, without question. Next, Because of the ownership and because of what's on the line, what's expected, you've got the facilities, you've got uh, a lot of things on the line there to make it work. So, no, his job is not easy. Because of what he has to deal with with his owner. But what happens on the field, he should have total control over that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, he's underperformed.
2: So, uh, I think uh, what we were saying wasn't over the top. I just thought it was justified. No, it wasn't over the top at all. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and kiss up to Jason Garrett because his dad, in 1950, played for the Aggies. Don't care. A uh, hey, big uh, big news on... Uh, what, so what day did we do our show? Tuesday? Wednesday. Monday. <laughs> it's was Monday. When Dante Exum was traded. And then after the game, Jeff Green was released. Yes, that was on Monday. Really crazy just roster transaction before and after a game. I can't remember the last time that's happened. They traded a player just before the game. They released a player after the game. <laughs> and... Uh, let's, let's start with this. Your first thoughts after you heard that Jeff Green was released? Um, not overly
1: sad. I mean, he is six foot eight. He does provide a little bit more of a physical presence, but he was never a consistent outside shooter, which was how he was billed coming to the jazz. Look, here's this guy, six foot eight, but he likes to go outside. He can hit the shots from beyond the arc. He's been on some pretty good teams. He'll provide some leadership and uh, some offense and maybe even a little bit of defense for his size at the position that he plays uh, for the Jazz on the bench. And that just never materialized. I I felt like the idea of Jeff Green never met with the reality of Jeff Green. And that was the same thing with Dante Exum. The idea of Dante Exum never matched the reality of Dante Exum. And that's why the Jazz finally made a move there. With him. And I think it, it, to go to, to uh, waive him, to basically cut him, and then bring somebody off from the G League at a, at, a, at a smaller size does have me a little bit worried that you're not going size for size. But the Jazz are looking for help on the bench. They have to have help. It is so bad. When the starters are in, they are plus 13 and a half points. When any one of those five members, Jazz starters, sit, and when any member of the bench is introduced with that starting five, the Jazz are minus 8.2. It is such a dramatic (coughs) swing. They are elite when they have their starting five. They are horrible when any on that starting five sits. So the Jazz absolutely needed some help on the bench. I have no problem with them trying to shake things up and find something.
2: That works for him. But is this it? I mean, yeah, we can't score, right? The Jazz can't score off the bench, They have, and you've already mentioned it. Jordan Clarkson right now is at his best right now, almost to a career standpoint. In free throws attempted and made, he's shooting 88% right now from, from the charity strike. Uh, he's, um, as of right now, to where we stand out offensively, he's averaging, what is it, 14... How many points is he averaging? I just had this too. Gosh, dang it. Um, I can't remember how many points he was averaging. Uh, But he's shooting, what, 40-something percent from the field. No, 38% from uh, deep. And 42% from the field, if I'm not mistaken. The problem is, is that the Utah Jazz offense requires ball movement, and Jordan Clarkson is not a ball movement guy. And and then the other part to it is is that you're asking Jordan Clarkson to come in and also play defense. Jordan Clarkson doesn't play defense. His opponents that are when he guards his opponents, average percentage right now is forty three percent. Right now, they're shooting forty three percent on Jordan Clarkson. They're shooting thirty three percent from deep on him as well. And they get to the line when they go to the hoop. He's hitting now on the other side offensively, Jordan Clarkson's hitting about what, twenty I think 20% of his shots right now offensively are from pull-ups. So that, I mean, there's just no ball movement in his hands, and there's not a lot of defense on the other side. I'm, I'm extremely but, worried about this. But,
1: Ajay, there wasn't much defense happening anyway. The Jazz were getting outscored. Teams were attacking the bench, and the bench was doing nothing to stop it or provide any kind of a, well, okay, we can at least trade baskets. So it became exacerbated that it was so bad that they weren't even stopping them defensively and they couldn't score offensively. So whatever the starters were doing, it just evaporated quickly. At least if you have somebody in there that can provide some scoring punch to at least trade baskets with them, you can at least hold the water for a little bit till the starters come back in. So, So no
2: one on the bench was doing that or could do that. Are we throwing out the whole defensive perspective of Quinn Snyder's, like, you know, fame of where it comes from is defense. Are we just throwing that out the door? Then are we done with that?
1: I don't think necessarily. I think what the Jazz might d- start to do. I think what we'll likely see is Joe Ingles inserted back into the starting lineup. That seems to be working well, and I think you'll have Royce O'Neal come off the bench, mm. and so you'll have a defensive, a strong defensive presence on the bench, or excuse me, on the on the floor on the court when it's a bench unit, and uh, with Jordan Clarkson in the mix. He can provide the offense. Well, uh, Royce O'Neal provides the defensive you know, uh, presence that the rest sure. of the team can feed off of. But the other thing here, too, AJ, is to consider this: is the way the, the timing of all this, how it worked. The Jazz got an expiring contract with Jordan Clarkson. They avoid the nine point six million dollar cap hit for uh, Dante Exum for twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. So Jordan Clarkson has an expiring contract, but also the timing of it is that the Jazz could still trade Jordan Clarkson at the trade deadline. They made this deal early enough in the season that they could still move him if it's not working. You can't package other players with him the way that it works, but they could conceivably move him by the trade deadline or at the trade deadline with the timing of when they made this move. What would you get in return of it? I don't know. I mean, you you probably some guy on a on somebody else's bench.
2: You're not going to go out there and get a starter. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's been sent on its way. Um but on a a team that is clearly
1: not going to make the playoffs and wants an expiring contract so they can make some moves in the offseason, it's appealing. And the, the Jazz could find somebody that's on a team that wants to be on a competitive team not a losing team I think there will be suitors out there if they decide to do that if this if the Jordan Clarkson experiment doesn't work the jazz can still make a trade and they're not necessarily stuck with him um for through or for the rest of the season they, they could still move him at the trade deadline so there there's more of that at play than just He's an offensive scorer. I mean, he does average 22.2 points per 36 minutes. Wow. 37.1% from three. That's – the Jazz need that. They need somebody off the bench that can come in and, and at least threaten to score points. Because right now, no one's doing that. They're not getting that right now. Uh, and then So all- I think they're willing to eat the defensive deficiencies – to say, hey, at least we need points. we got to at least uh, keep pace. Now, the other move, as you mentioned, they did waive Jeff Green on Monday. And they've announced that they are replacing him with Rajon Tucker, who's coming up from the G League. He was playing in the Milwaukee system. Had a great showcase. Yes,
2: really good showcase.
1: Here's a guy who has scored 30 points or more in four consecutive games. <laughs> uh, he knows Donovan Mitchell from high school, so there's already a connection there. He worked out with the jazz this last summer. Um, he is only six foot three so Jeff Green was six eight, so there's definitely a size change there. And it's okay now in the absence of Mike Connelly. But once Connelly comes
2: back, where does that put him on the pecking again. order? Yeah, then he's just buried again. And here's what I don't get. We've got a G League team of our own who's won 13 straight, including they won that said showcase, by the way, for hundred grand. Why aren't we using them? Why are we picking up Jordan Clarkson who can't guard a chair and, but can score 30-something points or whatever it is, and, and we're going to pick up a G League guard from Milwaukee? Like, if you're the Stars, you're a little bit miffed with this, aren't you? Like, you should be, like, you've earned the right to get called up with the success you've had. Why are we going elsewhere to pick up G League guys? And those G League guys, by the way, for the Stars, are running Kim- Quinn Snyder's system. That is how it goes. So that when they do get called up, it's not brand new terminology or anything. They can just, they should be able to walk in, understand the terminology, understand the defensive formations and the systems and such, and be able to play in it. But we just picked up someone who was not a part of that, and we expect him to pick up this terminology and, and get used to the system. And it's a, there's a complexity to it. There really is. Why are we, why are we going elsewhere? I think that's a fair question
1: and a fair criticism. Um, But I think the guys that the Jazz drafted, who are currently parked in the G League, Mm -hmm. they're not to the level that the Jazz need them to be. Now, there are other guys on the Stars roster that maybe could fit in. But... Maybe I mean Juwan Morgan is probably the, the biggest name that uh he had a great showcase. He's six foot seven. But I don't know. I mean they've clearly the Jazz Brass right now are favoring offense rather than complete system. Yeah. I guess they feel like the other guys already have on the roster can take care of that. But you could see both of these guys tonight. It's conceivable.
2: Yeah. Uh, one of them is ready to go already. Is- Jordan Clarkson passes physical. He is uh-huh. available. And Tucker should. There's a good chance I he think could Rajon be ready Tucker, to go. Yeah, they were both at, uh, yep.
1: available to the media earlier Should today. be ready to go.
2: We don't. <laughs> this isn't going to make the team better. This, this won't help us. Now, granted, Jeff Green was slow getting to where they wanted him to be. Dante Exum was never healthy. But, I, I mean, again, we have a really good G League team in Salt Lake City that's not being used. Why do we have him then? What's the point? We're going to go look elsewhere. Well, I think
1: there's a there's a sense that, that Ray John Tucker was consistently the best player in the G League. He was performing as the best player in the G League. So the Jazz went to find the best guy that they thought could help them. Sure, sure. I think regardless of where they were, we need somebody that can show they can score, that they've got some moves that they can go to. I mean, I watched some tape on him, and he's got some... He's got some go-to moves. Mm-hmm. He's got a pretty good shot uh, from beyond the arc. Uh, I watched highlights of his 35-point game against the Spurs just the other day. Uh, he got a couple of four-point plays, <laughs> fouled on three-point shots. Wow. Uh, he's got good moves, good head for the, the, the ball, and uh, can get around guys to get to the basket. Granted, that's against other G League guys. In the NBA, it's going to be different. But he looks like he is a guy that can find his shot. So I'm I'm not where you are right now. I want to wait and see how this plays out. I think the, the, the moves are two offensive guys. I think the defense will be affected dramatically. But they've clearly won out to to get um some some offensive firepower to help the bench. So what does your starting lineup look like tonight? Uh, I got Rudy, Boyan, Joe Ingalls, Donovan, and probably
2: Royce. So I don't think Mike Connolly's cleared to play. Nope. And then what did you I mean, what is you what is what does your bench look like? I mean your bench now is what? Mooney, right? Moody. Yeah, so yeah, uh Emmanuel Moody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Jordan Clarkson, Ray John Tucker's available. Maybe he gets some minutes. Uh, George Yang. George Yang. Uh, and that, is, is Ed Davis? Ed good Davis. Th- That's probably it. I don't know how much more you go. Yeah, and I don't know that you need to go much deeper than that.
1: But clearly the, the Jazz have got to figure something out so that Donovan – and Rudy aren't having to play 38 minutes a game.
2: Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, it's 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 a problem, and, and especially on. I mean, that kind of a road trip that they just went on, and now they're home. Thank goodness they're home for just a little bit, but they got to start making a push up here. And, and I mean, with the schedule they've got, this favorable schedule is going to start to run out with them. And
1: I thought, th- did you see the game in Miami?
2: Yeah. I thought they played really well. I did. Um,
1: they were. They had control in the early part of the fourth quarter, and Miami had a little bit of a run there. The Jazz could not stop. And then Miami just didn't let go of control. They The crowd got into it. They had momentum. Jazz kept it
2: close, but just couldn't close the deal. Dude, here's what the Western Conference looks like. Jazz were at 6-18-12. Oklahoma City, 15 and 14s, at seventh, and the Blazers, who are 14 and 17th, are at eighth. San Antonio's tied for eighth. Kings are one back, or one game back of them. Suns are a game and a half. As is the Grizzlies. Minnesota's two, at 10 and 19. Minnesota's two games behind the eighth spot. That's wonderful. <laughs> I'd uh, love to know
1: your thoughts on these recent Jazz moves. Uh, text in, let us know. 435-339-0321. 435-339-0321. What do you think about these recent moves? The trade for Jordan Clarkson moving away from Dante Exum, waving Jeff Green, and uh, bringing up Rajon Tucker from the, uh, from the G League. 435 0321. Love to hear your thoughts on some of these recent moves by the Utah Jazz. They do play tonight. They're taking on the Portland Trailblazers. It's a late game. 8 30 tonight, it'll be on TNT. So, a showcase game for the Jazz. We'll see how it plays out if they do actually <laughs> deserve the showcase. Also, coming up a little bit later on here on the show, we'll talk about the updated uh, bowl season. An interesting one on uh, Christmas Eve with the Mountain West School against the another team from the state. How'd that go? How'd that play out? What else is on tap for the Mountain West? Uh, we'll also look at our, We'll also have our pick six. We do that on Thursdays. Six things we think might happen this weekend. And the updated or recently released RPI standings are out for the first time for high school basketball in four A. At least the top ten. The full list is not revealed yet. That will be revealed tomorrow. But UHSAA did an early reveal today, so we'll talk about that coming up next from the Full Court Press.
0: Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: Eric Franson, Ajay and Salveson here on 103, not 103, 106.9 The Fan, 1390 AM as well. Streaming online, 106.9TheFan.com. And we'd love to hear your thoughts about this. some of these recent moves by the Utah Jazz. Feel free to text in and let us know. The text line is 435-339-0321. We keep your name anonymous. And... Let us know what you think about these uh, these Jazz moves. Trading away Dante Exum for Jordan Clarkson, a bench player at Cleveland, and waving Jeff Green, and then signing Rajon Tucker from the G League, who will be a guaranteed contract through the end of the year. So uh, some different moves, interesting moves by the Utah Jazz, all kind of clumped together. And what was interesting is that on Monday... When the Jazz made that move, that was the first trade in the NBA since last July, and that was actually a record amount of time between trades. It was a very quiet fall for the NBA, where usually there are some moves made. Players get hurt or they're just not working out. Teams trying to make some moves to be competitive, stay in the race. And the Jazz finally made a trade. The first one for the season. Really interesting. Now, we mentioned this earlier. Because of the timing of the trade. When the Jazz did it. They did it early enough. That if things aren't working out. With Utah Jazz and Jordan Clarkson. The Jazz could still move him. In February. At the trade deadline. He does have an expiring contract. That may be appealing to some teams out there. But. For right now, at least on paper, and some of the things that I've seen, yes, there are deficiencies, yes, there are problems, but I think it could be a welcome addition to the, to the bench for the Utah Jazz. Because Dante Exum was, doing, was giving the Jazz nothing. He wasn't being given opportunities, though. He, he wasn't coming on the court. And when he was on the court, he was only there for a few minutes. But that's because whether Schneider, the opportunities that's were given to him
2: or not, that's because of coach, though.
1: What we saw on the field, to play on the court of play, was hardly anything. So it's it's at least it's a potential big time addition for the bench. And then Rayon Tucker, uh, he comes up from the G League. He was with the Milwaukee program, uh, their team, and uh, he had scored thirty or more points in four consecutive games before being called up to uh, join the Jazz. Mm -hmm. He knows Donovan Mitchell from high school. There's definitely a a familiarity there with him. Mitchell's excited. Tucker's excited. We'll see how well he fits in on the bench.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of intrigued how that's actually going to work out and, and how many minutes he gets, how long does it take him to get used to the system. And by the way, Quinn's a defensive guy, and Jordan Clarkson can't play defense, so how long can he last on the court? against a high quality team. Boston, Toronto, Clippers, Lakers.
1: Well, you also have to factor in that Emmanuel Mudiay is not really a share the ball kind of point guard either. I think he's getting a little better at finding guys. They're showing him tape and pointing out how to find other guys rather than just look for his own shot. But it could be a very different jazz squad on the court running a very different system when it's the bench
2: compared to the starters. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's true. I, you know, you'll see some different... And, and Tucker's another kid, young guy. I wonder how many minutes he sees. How long does he last out there? That's, uh, that, that's going to be an intriguing one to me is and can he handle it? I mean, look, G League's totally different from the NBA level. I mean, guys are just quicker. And there's, you know, the the speed's a little bit more. It, it's just a faster pace. If you don't have your head on a swivel, you're going to be in trouble.
1: Again, the Jazz play tonight. They play the Portland Trailblazers. It's an 8.30 start. And the game will be on TNT if you want to watch it there. Of course, we will also have it here on The Fan with pregame coverage at 8.20 with uh, David Locke. Then the Jazz head to uh, Los Angeles to take on the Clippers on Saturday. That also will be an 8.30 start our time. Tough challenge there. LA, the Clippers were down double digits at halftime against the Lakers and come back and win that game yesterday. W- was that, would you say, the the most interesting of the uh, Christmas Day games? Which one? The uh, Battle of Los Angeles.
2: Yeah, it was the only one I was worth watching. Milwaukee and uh, Philadelphia was, uh, was a boat race, as was... Gold State stunned uh, Houston. Yeah, how though? about that, by the way? I mean, that happens when you have a player taking 20-plus shots and making well less than half of those. Um, and completely
1: taking defensive
2: plays off. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean that whole. That Did you see thing. some of those
1: plays? James Harden stood at least fifteen feet away from the three-point line and just stood
2: there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. They're twenty-one and ten, dude. I don't know how they're doing it right now. I really don't. At twenty-one and ten, uh, who was the other game uh, in the morning, um, or I guess mid-afternoon? There was. Well, Celtics Raptors. That and that was another garbage game, where Toronto just got ran off their own floor. Yep, uh, Celtics so, one
1: one eighteen to one o two.
2: So yeah, Lakers and Clippers were the best one. And and the thing is, is that you saw LeBron. He says he got a knee in the groin by Patrick Beverly, and that's why he slowed down a lot. I mean, he used to see his acceleration to the hoop. He didn't see him going to the hoop that much. Actually, you kind of saw him step away from that. Let Anthony Davis well, do a lot of that work.
1: Yeah, near the end of the game, he has the ball out on the perimeter. He's got Patrick Beverly by what six or seven inches. Yeah. And he was, like, afraid of him. He wouldn't drive on him. He wouldn't take him to the hole. He just stood back there, kind of took up a shot, and Beverly blocked him. It's like, what? LeBron's not right healthy, or he's just mentally Beverly was in his head.
2: Well, and the other thing about that, what was really interesting, that's a good play to mention, because during that play, he gave the ball to KCP in the corner. LeBron James, the greatest player in the world, gave the ball – to Caldwell Pope in the corner why what are you doing like take advantage cloud a screen get your matchup that you want step to the left wing and then bury the three tie the game or no, back him Dude, down he just didn't want anything to do with that possession it was weird yeah hey my other question to you is you know, so Patrick Beverly knocks the ball out of LeBron's hands it does touch LeBron last what do you think about the replay review stuff because so I mean, so I mean, Patrick reaches up, knocks the ball out, everyone's like, "Okay, well, it's Lakers ball still, and then Patrick's like, "No, no, 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 review this, and so doc's like, we're let to review it, and you see it in slow motion, like it it does, it goes off of James' fingers, like, is this game is it is it is this whole review thing too much
1: I. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think coaches and players are still trying to get used to it. But at the professional level, you have the cameras, you have the technology. Man, let's, let's Get it right. Yes, it can affect the flow of the game. But the refs have already been reviewing plays in late-game situations. So it's not like this is something that's totally new where, oh, well, let's go check the monitor. Let's go to Secaucus, New Jersey. So why don't we have just
2: robots ref the game then? What's the point of having a referee call it? I mean, we I mean there's a human error in the game which makes it one fascinating, two, frustrating, and three exhilarating. But now, like, you know, it, it's it, it and he knocks it out of the hands. It's it's Lakers ball, but then all of a sudden, no, oh, let's get a review, and you can see it slow motion coming off of James Fingers. Just wondering if it's too much. And if we're okay with it, that's fine. But are we really okay with it? I mean, having the game stop for 10, 5, 8 minutes so we can figure out if the ball went off the fingertips of James? (laughs) The the final minute of close games already
1: goes forever. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. Does this change it dramatically? Does it just add to it? I don't know if it changes it dramatically, but it certainly does
2: add to it. Now, granted, they got it right. I mean, really, like when you watch it in slow motion, it does. It goes off of James' fingers. But would I really love to have that kind of review in, I don't know, the 98 finals when the Jazz played the Bulls? <laughs> Could have won a lot of those games. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Hey, have you seen that, uh, speaking of NBA, have you seen the uh, Last Chance trailer for the Chicago Bulls coming up in June of 2020? I've not seen the trailer, no. Oh my gosh. You gotta watch that. <laughs> oh, that thing, look, I canceled my Netflix account. I'm getting it back in June. Just to watch that. It's a 10-part documentary on the... uh, It's a 10-part what? Documentary. Documentary. Oh.
1: Yeah. Is that like a documentary? Is it a little bit different because it's 10 parts instead
2: of just one? I don't know. It's a 10-part documentary. (laughs) Okay. I I don't know. Don't. Stop it, dude. All right. Anyways. So, it's 10 parts. It's 10 parts, but it's about their final season. Jordan, Pippen, Jackson, Rodman, Kerr, Harper... Longley, like the whole gang bang and dude it's it looks legit i'm excited what i don't like about it is they include a bunch of celebrities in like justin timberlake's in it for who the hell knows why (laughs) Uh, pat Riley's in it for good reason patrick viewing maybe shouldn't be in there um like obama's in there dude why i know he's a chicagoan but let's let's calm down because yeah carmen elettra She's in it. What? Because she dated Dennis well, she Rodman. Gonna, dated Dennis Rodman. Okay. But, like, what is she going to be like? Oh, well, yeah, he didn't do his dishes. He didn't clean up off the floor. It was kind of crappy. <laughs> like, what the frick is she going to say? I think you should leave it to the players and coaches and keep everybody else out If they're it. making it 10 parts, they, add a, they have to add in some
1: additional. No,
2: dude, you could easily do 10 parts with, I mean, Riley, muting. <laughs> make, make it six parts. Put John Stockton and Malone in stuff. there, dude. I, like include a bunch of those dogs, but leave Carmen Electra out of it. Don't like if like I swear to life, if I see any of the Kardashians in it, I'm going to chuck my shoe at the TV and break it. <laughs> I swear I will. You have to cancel your accounts uh, again. Yeah. Well, I'm going to cancel anyway as soon as that documentary is over. <laughs> I just want to see it.
1: All right, uh, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, uh, Mountain West school involved in a bowl game on Christmas Eve. How did it go? And uh, what are the current standings right now in the bowl season for the Mountain West? We'll update that next right here on the Full Court Press.
0: Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
1: Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Hey, on Christmas Eve,
2: do you make time out to watch the Hawaii Bowl? Sure did. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a Dan Campbell football game. That was a really good game. It was back and forth. Fifty five points in the first half, man. Fifty five.
1: Back and forth it went, and uh, Cole McDonald was fantastic.
2: Uh he was, but he wasn't. I dude, he threw some really stupid passes. Should have probably had three picks. 493 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Dude, he should have had three, though. But he didn't. I mean, dude, he threw it right at the defender. (laughs) Come on, now. Uh, 28 of 46. This is what just shocks
1: me about this game. Hawaii had two net rushing yards.
2: Hmm. Two. And they
1: win. 38-34. Thirty-eight
2: to thirty-four. So 50, I don't know that I've
1: ever seen anything like that.
2: Well, that and fifty-five points scored in the first half, and seventeen scored in the second. Seventeen. Um, and the other thing is, is they're bailed out by some horrible play calling on th- what third and two, and a chance to just milk the clock like oh, crazy.
1: BYU shot themselves in the foot, and
2: Zach Wilton grounds it. On a ground ball towards Why the sideline. Why are side they even line. throwing on that Why plate? are you throwing it? That makes no sense All they sense needed to me. was
1: one more first down. Yeah. Probably. Eh, maybe two.
2: But that would have took the clock to what? Uh, if they don't get it and they're still running it, that milks the clock to where it's, I mean, to drive, what, 80-something yards, 75 yards down the field is going to be tough to do. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's just, that's horrible play calling. You know, here's the thing is, is, is is what stands out to me, why are, (laughs) are you okay if you're a BYU fan with these kind of seasons? Because this is what you're consistently getting. Now, granted, you won the Idaho Potato Bowl last year versus Western Kentucky. Are you okay with this though? Because you think you're this program that's mighty and high and and really really good and I mean are you okay with this? Being being an average football team and going to a bull game with a with a tough schedule. I guess getting two wins that you weren't supposed to get, but then losing three games that you should have won? Now granted you beat Utah State and Boise State. USC. USC and and Tennessee. But you lost your bull game to Hawaii. I don't know for how much of what the expectations are from BYU fans. There's there's no way the expectations there from fans are always out of whack.
1: The expectations from the average BYU fan is that the quarterback is a Heisman finalist, that the team is going to beat every Power 5 school they face, and they're going to go to the biggest bowl games. That's the expectation every year. Yeah. But look where they've been the last four or five years. They finished the year seven
2: and six. Are you okay with that though? I mean, is that is that just is that what they're going to always be and be fine with? Well, they just gave
1: Kalani Sataki a contract extension, so yeah. apparently
2: they are. Yeah. Well, I mean, look they they got the two wins they really needed, Boise State and BYU.
1: Yeah, I. That's, that's the, the world they find themselves in. They'll play some Power 5 schools. They'll look good against some of them. And they'll get way ahead of themselves thinking oh, they're going to be great. And then they'll come back down to earth. Yeah, They'll lose some games that they have no business losing. They'll play some crap teams to finish out the season because it's hard to schedule in October and November. When
2: people are in conference play.
1: Right. And then because of some of those crap teams, their regular season win-loss total will look better than it probably should. Just and it- they'll go to a bowl game, <clears throat> and they'll say, yay, yay for us. We didn't have to share, because their excuse is, hey, we didn't have to share the money with anybody. We keep it all to ourselves. We have our own deal with ESPN. We don't have to share with a conference. We can write our own check and make our own schedule. It's amazing
2: to me. And they're fine with that. They're totally fine with that. So, and, and in that case, why should they be in a Power 5 conference?
1: Yeah, it's not going to happen.
2: That that just doesn't make... Uh, yeah, I don't think it's attractive to anybody else either, by the way. Hey, did you see... Um, this is pretty cool. So Navy is going to the bowl game in the Liberty Bowl, and the Patriots, who have a home game this week versus Miami, they are allowing Navy to borrow their plane, their team plane, to go. Oh, that is cool. It and it's humongous. Oh my gosh, this thing is a monster of a plane.
1: All right, coming up, we got some final thoughts before we have to kick it into the next hour, where we'll discuss uh, more of the other bowl games with the Mountain West that are involved. in they're pre where the first look at the RPI for high school basketball was released. And our pick six, the six things we think might happen this weekend, it's all coming up on the Full Court Press.
0: The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan.
1: Eric France and Aj Salveson, thanks for tuning in, joining us on the day after Christmas. Uh, it's Boxing Day, apparently.
2: <laughs> yep, named after Rocky Balboa. And Kwanzaa? Yep, it is. Yep, I've, uh, I'm a big fan of Kwanzaa. I've celebrated it yearly.
1: We've been talking about the Utah Jazz, some of the moves that they've made here recently. Still would like to hear your thoughts on that. 435-339-0321. Some of the moves the Jazz have made in the last week to shake up their roster a little bit. Uh, Coming up next hour, we'll discuss the latest rankings in the RPI for high school basketball. The full rankings will be released tomorrow, but UHSAA did a tease today and uh, revealed the top 10 for 4A, 5A, and 6A. Where are the local teams? Are they in that top 10? Uh, Who's not in the top 10?
2: And it's interesting how they're valuing those wins and losses for each team. Strength of schedule, uh, opponents' win percentage, and who they are and what they're doing right now. Uh, it's, you'll be kind of surprised when you find out the top ten what it looks like.
1: Yeah, it's who you've played, what your winning percentage is, um, your opponents, and then your opponent's opponents. <laughs> so it, it goes pretty deep to consider really what, what, what type of team are you. And what type of competition have you gone up against?
2: I'll tell you this. I think they got it right in week one. So far, it's hard to argue against. Yeah, We'll update
1: you on that uh, coming up next hour, as well as our pick six, the six things we think might happen this weekend. Always love to hear from you as well and have you play along with us. So that's all coming up uh, up next hour here on the Full Court Press, 1390 AM, 106.9 FM, and 1069thefan.com.
0: I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. College football has some important structural issues, but I'm not sure the prevalence of transfer quarterbacks is one of them. The final four features three quarterbacks who transferred. LSU's Joe Burrow, Georgia's Justin Fields, and Oklahoma's Jalen Hurts. It's pretty amazing, actually. Three of the four Heisman finalists weren't starters at their first schools. Of course, there's a lot of reasons for that. But quarterback is a funny position. You can't rotate in the backup. Alabama tried it a little bit with Hertz and Tua, and it's always felt uncomfortable. So to play, quarterbacks have to leave. If anything, colleges have to make it easier for players to transfer without losing a season. I understand the problem. That would create a never-ending recruiting process. Almost feels like NFL free agency. But you're kidding yourself if you don't think there are professional elements to college football. This is a big business. And great quarterbacks deserve to play, even if they happen to randomly lose their starting jobs. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.